Welcome to Self-Published Success, a show catered specifically to the innovators and entrepreneurs who sought creative control over their titles, chose self-publishing over traditional, and found overwhelming success in the process. In this show, we will introduce these risk takers and ask them a variety of questions. Why did you choose self-publishing? What were your results? And most importantly, what are some secrets to success? Self-published success is designed to get your creative juices flowing, to get you energized and excited for the road to authorship ahead. So sit back, grab your trusted pen and notepad, and get ready to gain tips that will help you along your own self-publishing journey. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Self-Published Success. My name is John Feldman, founder and CEO of Visionary Literary and your host for today's show. We have a special episode today. Our guest is Ken Rusk, who comes from the other side. Ken is traditionally published. Ken is also the CEO of Rusk Industries, and he's the author of the Wall Street Journal bestselling book, Blue Collar Cash. Ken, welcome to the show. Thanks. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. So tell us a little bit more before we get into book stuff about you, about um, what brought you kind of to where you are today and what made you want to write this book. Well, I've been in construction my whole life. I started when I was 15. And, um, you know, it's it's interesting because you can take, there's probably one of six ways to be successful. You can go to college, you can go into the military and you have a great career and you can go to tech school, trade school, you can work right out of high school, that kind of thing. And um, I, I had, you know, there was some forks in the road that I had to make some decisions on when I was 18. And I, I did, I continued working in construction because I, I knew that I could control some things. I could control my input. Um, therefore, I controlled my output and the quality of that output. And then I could also control my day, my time, my schedule, and you know, ultimately my financial gain, which led me to, you know, the bigger picture for myself, which is what did I want my life to look like and how could I be in control of getting it and not have somebody else control that. So yeah, I I worked um in construction until I was 19 and then uh, we started opening franchises for the corporate office and I uh, moved around the country and opened up offices for a couple of years and got tired of living out of a suitcase. So then we came to Toledo in 86 and uh, started with six people. And now I think we have nearly 200. So it's been, uh, it's been a heck of a ride. Well, congrats. And yes, that's, this is the whole idea of blue collar is something that we'll um, not only we'll talk about, but there are so many different conversations being had around student loans, et cetera. But what what made you so you moved to Toledo in 86, your company, you you're you're growing your company, and as of now you have 200 people. When when did you decide to write the book and why? You know, when when you have a staff of 200 people over a span of 30 years, you, you probably have two thousand people that you've hired that stay with you for a month or a year or six years or 10 years or whatever. Okay. And that's that's totally natural. So a lot of the people that we hired, it might have been I mean, construction is kind of a younger person's game in the beginning anyway. Right. So it, it became pretty evident that some of these folks that were coming in, they were kind of less and less prepared for, you know, their life. They were kind of living for Friday. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And um, or living for the month. So. I began helping people with their first apartment, their first car, their first driver's license, um, you know, getting them in and out of the jams that they were they had put themselves in. And um, it was kind of a thing that I, I became almost an involuntary life coach 
but I loved it. It was a lot of fun to see people go from, I'm lost, I don't know where to go, to I can see 5, 10, 15, 20 years down the road right now because of how you've you know, put your hand on my shoulder and guided me through this. Wow. And it, it was really rewarding. And, and I'd been doing it a long time. So at, at some point, you know, about 12 years ago, my daughter got sick and it was a really scary five-year period of time for us. So you're sitting in a lot of waiting rooms and a lot of doctor's offices. You have a lot of time to think. And uh, I wanted to kind of write her a letter as to what I thought was important and what, what I thought, you know, we should all be chasing in life, which in the book I call comfort, peace, and freedom. Hmm. And um, it, it just kind of went from there. You know, it, it just kind of took off. And, uh, you know, I, I wrote some stories from some friends of mine that were blue collar entrepreneurs and, and uh, I wrote about my, about my own story and my upbringing a little bit. And the fact that anybody can be an entrepreneur, and I, and I absolutely mean that, you know, anybody can do this. And um, people ask me all the time, they'll, they'll say, oh, well, you're lucky you're that entrepreneur guy. Okay, well, here's a crayon and some paper. Draw entrepreneur, right? Y you can't. It's a concept. It's a collection of characteristics that we all possess, we just need a reason why. We need a reason for them to come out. So all that stuff kind of like came together. And pretty soon I had 80,000 words and, uh, you know, it went from there. Well, that's that's excellent. And I like that how you, you speak about entrepreneurs and entrepreneurship, because today when we talk about that, most would assume white collar when you think about an entrepreneur, but you're able to mix the two, blue collar cash with entrepreneurism. Yeah, I, I would say, honestly, I would say the opposite of that. I think I know more blue collar entrepreneurs than I know white collar entre entrepreneurs. And, you know, un until the tech age or the influencer age or some of that, that changed maybe that that swung that pendulum back a little bit more. But, you know, to to recognize the power in a group of people all rowing the same direction but for their own reasons. And that's the important thing about being on, being an entrepreneur. You, you have to not only have a vision for what you want your life to look like, but you need to love and support and create and nourish the, the visions that all your people have for themselves first, because that's how true magic happens when it comes to running a company. And um, so, yeah, I, I think, I think it's important that, you know, we all have the ability to say, okay, can I, can I like put this vision board ahead of me first and then pick one of the many paths that I can take to get there? Because getting there is the goal. You know, we don't live to work. We right. work so that we can live. Well, what does live mean to you, to me, to anybody else? We all have our own idea of that. Yeah. And I think that's what's important. That is, that's very important. Um, so, and, and I do like, because we, nobody likes to work. We, we want to live. We work so that we can live. And I, I love that you are, you're able to just say that um, in your book and then out loud. So your book, again, you, you start writing, you come up with 80,000 words. Um, you are, again, just to, to reestablish this for the listeners, you're not self-published. You have, you have traditionally published through an imprint of HarperCollins, very big company. So you have this 80,000 words, what next? Did you have any idea of what to do? Who to reach out to? <laughs> what, what happened? You know, I was on an airplane once and I was met. I remember I pulled out a, a legal pad. And for those of you out there, that's a stack of papers glued together at one end that you can write on. 
Um, and I say that because some people, they're like, what? Wait, you yeah. still write? So, yeah, I started, I was writing and my hand was like sore and I'm like, you know, getting carpal tunnel. <laughs> and the guy sitting next to me says, what are you doing? And I said, well, I think I'm writing a book. And he goes, yeah, but you're writing it. You know, I mean, we have these things called keyboards now. And I said, I know, but I go three words forward and two words back. I mean, I have to fix them all the time. But yeah, it was interesting. So I had this pile of of legal pads. Okay. About 12 of them. And, um, I literally just Googled editors in New York. I just Googled, I figured New York was the publishing capital. Right. So right, right or wrong. I just Googled it. And I landed upon this, this place called Kevin Anderson and associates. They were editors. And what I liked about his layout is he had this whole kind of stable of different style of writers that he had for editors. He had like 40 of them and you could see their picture and you could read their bios and you could go through all that. So I picked one of them and they kind of helped me kind of clean up and organize the manuscript, you know? So I thought, well, that's kind of cool. So now I had this thing, I had this, this stack of papers with all bound on one side and it was all done. So they said, you know, we have some agents that we want to introduce you to. And so we went through six or seven agents and I ended up going with Park Fine, who I was so lucky to get because they were the number one agent in New York at the time. And I said, I think they still are. And um, so then they take the book and they they create what what's called, it's almost like a brochure for the book that they can then take out and, and get to people. Um, and there was things like social media consultants and PR people. And because I don't know social media, I'm 59. I, I didn't have a lot of that stuff growing up. So they were there were people that were building those things for me, building the platforms and whatnot. But the, the the really big win was when the agent put this out to publishers. We had like seven bytes, and um, it was it was like a bidding war, and it it went crazy. And it was it was really interesting because here I am thinking I would beg someone to publish my book. And yet there were seven people begging me to have them publish my book, which was really bizarre, I got to tell you. So yeah, it was kind of a cool thing to go through that whole process. And, and HarperCollins came out with the best program and they're great people. They're very supportive. And uh, yeah, it's been great ever since. Yeah, that is, it's an excellent story. And the bidding war, um, we were discussing this before we hit record, but I want to let all the listeners know the aspiring authors who are, debating, you know, self-published or traditional published, either one, there are advantages and disadvantages, but your situation is a unicorn situation in that your first book you put out there and seven different agencies immediately bit, um, and, or publishers bit and wanted to, to start a bidding war. So that is excellent news. Congrats for you. It just shows the value of your book, um, which we'll get into in a bit, but, um, that for anyone else listening, just know that if you if you do go that traditional route, you may you may be the unicorn, but um, not all of us have Ken's uh, Ken's uh, circumstance. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, luck. <laughs> yeah. So your book again, blue collar cash. Love the title. This book and your idea landed you on. Um, so as we record this yesterday morning, you were on Fox and Friends, and you were discussing. The student loan debt crisis that we've been discussing for years here in the, in this country, and it's now up to one point six trillion dollars. Um, I am one of those people who went to college because you're supposed to go to college, and I took nothing out of it other than it was a sixty thousand dollar four year party is all I is all that I took from it. Right, so that 
that idea of like, where do we go? Do I go to college? Do I not? What are your, like, what, I guess, what are your viewpoints there? And then how does the book or does the book help like to, to evaluate your options if you're kind of in that in-between stage? Are you enjoying today's episode and hearing this author's stories? Just think, a few short months or maybe years ago, this author was just like you. They were an aspiring author with a story to tell, listening to podcasts and reading books that could provide the spark needed to begin their authorship journey. But at some point, they had to take a leap of faith and they had to start their project. That leap of faith is what landed them here on our show. You too can be an author, and one day you can be on this very show, but you need to take that leap of faith. Go to www.visionaryliterary.com backslash free book to receive the spark you need to begin your own authorship journey. Well, yeah, you just said it, and without even knowing what you just said, you 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 said something that a lot of people think, which is absolutely not true. And that is you're supposed to go to college. You use the word supposed to. Okay. Mm-hmm. So there's 167 million people in this country right now that are considered fully in full employment. Okay. 77 million of those people do something with their hands. By the time you got out of bed this morning and put your feet on the ground and went to your office or your school or your church, you crossed thousands of blue collar jobs and their support systems that are still alive today and, and financially unbelievable. Okay. So yeah. Um, when I was in high school, there was shop class. You would walk down the hall and you could see somebody milling a table leg, or you could see somebody changing transmission out of car or doing somebody's hair or welding or being, you know, wiring an outlet or building something, whatever. And you could almost accidentally discover Wow, I'm good at this. This is what I want to do for a living, right? Well, those classes disappeared. And we filled those rooms with computers. Now, we needed to learn computers, I get that, but not at the expense of all those other hard hard skills, right? Right. So, yeah, th- that's part of the problem. College has only ever been one of six paths to be successful. One of six, not five of six, not four of six, not six of six. And um the 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 issue is you've got parents out there who think, well, I've birthed my child, I've fed my child, I'm raising my child, I'm protecting them and clothing them and keeping them safe, and and I'm I'm giving them basic education. And then in order to finish my parenting, I have to send them to college. Well, that's the part that the high schools and the colleges are are putting into your head, which isn't true. It's never been true, and it, it's certainly not true now because. Now we're overproducing these bland business degrees where people come out of school thinking they're going to make 75, 80 grand. And because we're, there's a glut of those people, they're only making $50,000 and they owe all this debt. Right. Well, if you swing a hammer, you can start at $50,000. And I always talk about this, this issue because I'm not an anti-college guy. If you're going to operate on my shoulders so I can get back on the golf course, I want you to know everything there is about a knife before you pick it up. Believe me, okay? And the same is true with engineering a building or managing money or teaching somebody something. I get that. Those are job-specific degrees. But if you're just going to go, you're being sold. 
if you're just if you're saying I have to go because I'm supposed to, I'm in this college prep high school. So therefore, if I if I weld something, I'm like stigmatized. That's where the rub is. And, and that's where these institutions are getting away with brainwashing parents and teachers to think, well, I'll be successful if I have a college degree on my kid's head. It's never been true and it's not true now. So all I'm trying to do is, is, is get people to understand that before you invest all that money in that degree, if you don't have an exact specific reason why you're doing it, step back a minute and at least consider the other options. You, you might eventually still go anyway, but consider all that before you just go, okay, next step, college, boom. Um, because that gets people in a lot of trouble that way. Yes. Yes. And in a lot of debt, but like you said, there, there are many, many necessary college degrees. Absolutely. There are, there are also many unnecessary ones. Um, so writing authorship is what we would probably call white collar, right? Cause we're typing on a keyboard. We're not sweating. Um, but you, you did a, you took a white collar, I guess, task in, in writing and you made it into blue collar. So for, for many writers out there, whether you're aspiring or you're a writer, 99% of writers don't do it full-time. We don't make enough money to be a full-time author. So how do you, because you obviously mix the two well, blue collar and white collar, how do you mix the two? Um, and then is there like any advice that you would give an aspiring author who, yes, I want to work with my hands, but I also want to write a book because I want to help. Maybe I want to, you know, document how I learned to, you know, build decks or swing a hammer, et cetera. Well, yeah, the, the advice is allow it to happen. Okay. Don't, don't put a lot of heat on yourself to say, I need to come up with the next great idea. I'm always impressed by people who say, Hey, let's meet next Wednesday and start writing some songs. I don't know how they do that because I thought you had to be inspired by a song. I thought it had to hit you, you know? So for me, you know, I'd work and I'd go home and an idea would hit me and I'd sit down. And before I knew it, three hours was gone and I had written 1500 words or 2000 words. So I did that over a six month period of time, but I had no start date. I had no end date. I had no um, specific schedule and I just did it till I thought I was done. You know, it's almost like it's almost like a puzzle where you you play with it for a bit and then you leave it and it's on your table and then you leave it. And um, or a painting is the same way. So, you know, I would say stay in your lane and do what you're good at. You have to make a living and make good things happen for yourself. But just let your mind be very open because. And I write about this in the book. I, I think our brains are like a five gallon bucket and. Um, there's a lot of automatic processes that happen in our mind, but the top gallon, that fifth gallon is nothing but emotions. And you can't fit too many emotions in your head or you're going to overload yourself. Okay. So if you have fear and frustration in here, that's going to push out joy and spontaneity. Okay. Or maybe wonder or maybe creativity. Okay. So Negative emotions are more powerful and they tend to kick out positive ones. And I think that's bad. So just clear your mind and allow your brain to like be aware of what, what's out there. And then as you go through life's experiences, ideas are going to come into your head that you're going to go, you know what? I got to write about that. And you'll sit down and you'll write, you'll get lost in it and you'll write another couple thousand words and, you know, do that 15 or 20 times and you got a book. Okay. 
Um, but yeah, when I started writing, I think it was seven months before I was done. Um, it wasn't years, but it wasn't weeks. So, and I never once said, I have to write this week. Never. I, I would just, I was, I'd come off a golf course and I'd, oh, that's an interesting, I'd look at a text message or a phone message and go, huh, there's a thought. And I would say to the guys, Hey, I'm, I know I'm supposed to pay my debt to you because I lost today and have a beer, but I got to go. And I'd go home and write for three hours. And um, it was a very enjoyable experience. I never wanted it to be a stressful one. And, uh, you know, I, I suppose for authors who are extremely successful to have to follow up on that success all the time is probably challenging and, and pressure laden. But yeah, I would say just just roll with it and let it come to you. So has, I, first off, I love the five gallon bucket reference because anyone who's walked through a Home Depot knows that they're everywhere, but it's, yeah. uh, um, has spe like speaking of the follow-up success has Harper Collins. So as a, as a self-published author, you don't have anyone breathing down your neck saying, Hey, we want you to write again, write again, like come up with another book as a traditionally published author, has your agent or Harper Collins have they reached out and said like, look, this, this book has had a lot of success over the you know two years that it's been out. We want you to write another one. Has that path come? No, what they said was because they knew that I wasn't a full-time writer. I mean, they knew that I owned businesses and and I still do. Um, but they said, we're here for you when you need us. I mean, that's, that's basically what they said. So if you want to do this again, let us know and we'll be happy to consider it. Now, Obviously, they'd love, they need to love the idea. <laughs> okay. I don't, I don't care who you are. If you go in there and the idea is no good, you're not going to get back in there. But um, yeah, I, I think they were supportive and, and, and they continue to be. I mean, you got to remember, they're also working with 30 other authors or 40 other authors. So there's a business behind all that, maybe 100 other authors. But yeah, they're, they're there. And, and I haven't, I mean, I just contacted my publisher the other day to ask her some questions about printing and whatever. And she was, very supportive and very happy for me. And um, so I would go back and use them again. And it's just one of those things that, um, you know, I, I think in the beginning, you they kind of ask you, is this your thing? I mean, are you going to do this all the, and I told them, no, I said, I'm going to write this and see what happens. And then, um, you know, if there's a follow-up, there's a follow-up. So. Okay, good. And so one, one thing that I'm assuming Harper Collins helps with, which I, again, I don't know, this is an assumption, but you have blurbs are very, very important for a book blurbs from other key people in your industry, outside of your industry, big names. You have a blurb by Tony Robbins, a huge name. Please tell us how, how that managed to happen. Well, uh, it, it didn't happen through my publisher. It happened through another connection that I have. There's there's a lot of awesome things going on in the health space. And um, what I mean by that is there's there's things that are being discovered every day where you can tell your body how to heal itself. You know, things that when you're younger start to dissipate as you get older. And I'm talking about things like stem cells and peptides and exosomes and, you know, biologics, all those kinds of things. And I'm I'm really into that type of stuff. I mean, I want to play golf till I'm 90, so I'm taking care of myself as, as great as I can. And Tony Robbins, um, he founded a company called Fountain Life. And Fountain Life is one of those types of companies that really thinks forward and progressive. So I became one of their members. And um, through one of the one of the doctors that works there, who's kind of a partner originator of the thing as well, he got me to um to talk to him. But 
you know, he didn't, he didn't say, Tony, you got to do this. He said, this is my friend. I'm going to give me email address. And just, so I, I wrote him a letter and I said, this is what I'm doing. And, uh, I'd been following him for a while. You know, he, I read books of his 20 years ago, you know? Um, yeah. and, uh, and he's amazing. And, and, you know, he, he wrote back and he said, I'll be happy to do it. So it was pretty cool. And, and, uh, the next printing of the book, it'll be on the cover. It's, it's, it's not there now because it, it happened after we published the first, uh, first run, but, um, yeah, I'm really excited about it. It's, it's a cool thing. Yeah. Well, congratulations on that. So that is, um, I heard, I don't know if it was like a week or two ago, but I heard this, it said that the world is run by people who ask for what they want and 99 out of a hundred people would probably have feared asking Tony Robbins thinking he's never going to respond to what I'm saying. You simply wrote a letter, you asked him and he responded. So that is that's huge. Yeah. I heard another one too, a long time ago, and I use it all the time. And that is that the second best uh, answer to any question you can ever get is no. So, um, you know, and questions are free, right? So yeah, I, I, I think that. it's, I think it's really crazy how, how what you just said is so true, which is, you know, don't be afraid to ask the question because everyone that walked that path before you had to go through that same process themselves. And like for me, you know, a lot of times uh, my my editor will call me and say, hey, I got this, this writer that wants to use us, but he's kind of shopping around and would you talk to him? Absolutely, I would. So I ended up talking to a lot of these writers that haven't written yet and they asked me about my experience. But more than anything, we end up talking about the process and and going through that. And I feel it's incumbent upon me to help him or her out. You know what I mean? Because I've been there. I know how tough that is. And uh, so, yeah, I, I think I think asking the question, especially now, you know, are, are you going to try and get some superstar to come to your high school? Well, that's a little more difficult. But asking a question about how somebody struggled and how you can avoid that, a lot of people would be happy to give that answer and, and that advice. That's excellent. So I want to ask you a question, one question, and it's a story that I would like to end with. So you're a Wall Street Journal bestseller. That'd be a very exciting time coming from just literally handwriting in a legal pad, uh, your notes about a book to the day that I'm assuming your publisher probably called you and said, hey, Ken, you're, you're a Wall Street bestseller. So can you tell us the story of the day that happened, the moment that happened, like, and how did you feel? Well, yeah. So the, the book went out and um, you never know what's going to happen. My, my issue was I released the book during the pandemic and, you know, leave it to me to have such awesome timing that I release a, a, a project during, you know, a, a pretty terrible time. So what, what happened was the book did okay. You know, there's, there's a story out there that says, I mean, you can Google this and it's, it's right there. It says only one in 25,000 authors ever sells more than a thousand copies of their book in their lifetime. Yep. And that's shocking to me. Mm -hmm. But also there's 15 million books out there. So yeah, I get it, right? So yeah, I, I, I we, the book did pretty well um, in the early run, but um, it took kind of a re-release after COVID was over. Okay. And we re-released it. And um, in in about a month's time, it had sold like a, a bunch of copies that came up. And uh, yeah, they called me and said, hey, congratulations, you're a Wall Street Journal bestseller. And I was like, holy cow. I mean, 
I, I would have never thought again that this book would have gone 10 feet, much less 10 miles. And uh, I'm just really blessed. I'm really grateful. And, and uh, you know, I, I love helping people and I can't wait to, to do it again. Yeah. Well, congratulations. I mean, again, an awesome story. Congrats on your success. Um, you. What, what is next for you? So obviously another book is, is up in the air, but what's next for you? And then where can people find you? Well, one of the things that I did was I, I was, I was tired of seeing books on shelves that ended up being just trophies. You know what I mean? Like sometimes you'll see someone that's really well read and you ask them and they can't remember what's in any of those books, or they certainly can't tell you what profound impact it's had upon them personally. And some they can, but but most of them they can't. So for me, I thought I need to, I need to force change in somebody. If they're going to read my book, which I'm grateful for, I want them to actually say, wow, this information changed my life. So I spent a year building this course. It takes about 45 minutes a week. It's only eight weeks long and um, one day a week for eight weeks. And what it does is it teaches you how to think about what you want your life to look like. And, and it, it forces you to get real specific, real colorful, real vivid. You're, you're building like your life brochure where you could say, man, if I could live like this, that would be really, really cool. And the, and the great thing is we, we all have our own idea of what that is, right? So this course does that. So now... My world was really good before I wrote this book. And I'm, I'm, again, I'm, I'm very grateful for that. So I did this as a way of kind of giving back. So when it came to this course, it's, you know, I've seen courses out there for $1,500, 2000 No, okay. <laughs> this course is $129. You get a free book with it, which is $25. And then if you buy it, you can donate one to somebody else for free. So it's 60 bucks a person. And this book will change the way you think. This course will change the way you think about your life. And um, and you'll be a different person once you're done. So just know that if you do get involved and buy it, you'll be helping somebody else uh, at the same time. Kind of a pay it forward thing. Um, and you can find all that at bluecollarcash.com, uh, where it'll take you right to where you can buy the course and, and get the book and, and take it from there. And, and again, if anybody out there wants to do that, just know that I'm eternally grateful and you and somebody else will be at the same time. Excellent. Well, that thank you for sharing that and for doing that. Um, the whole idea of you giving back, like you just said, you you were doing fine before the book and you wanted to write the book to help. And per, like personally, thank, books have changed my life. From, I learned nothing in college, but I started reading and that's where I learned everything. And people <laughs> people like you who, who you you kind of pave the way and you find the success and then you hit this point where you know others could be and you kind of reach back down and give a helping hand through authoring a book because you you obviously can't have one-on-one -on -one mentorship you know sessions with everyone who needs your advice so writing a book is a perfect way to do that and i thank you and obviously many many readers who have bought your book thank you for taking the time when you really didn't need to you didn't do this for a monetary gain you did it to help so um we really do appreciate you and everyone like you who writes books in this manner. Well, thanks. Thanks. I, I really appreciate it. It's, it's uh, to whom much is given, much is expected. And it's incumbent upon all of us to do this. So um, everyone will have their choice to give back. And I encourage them to do it because, you know, you, you think sometimes you're doing it for a reason. But when you give just to give of your time, talent and treasure, things just seem to come to you. And, and it's, you don't do it for that reason, but it just seems to happen. And, uh, 
and uh, you'll be glad you did. Good. Well, thank you for, for, for coming on the show, Ken. We really appreciate it. We appreciate, I mean, congrats on the success of your book, the success of your company companies, um, and, and all the employees that you help. We again, appreciate your time coming on here today. Appreciate it. Anytime. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Self-Published Success. We encourage you to put the tips and tricks you've discovered in this episode to use in your own author strategy. Please feel free to subscribe to this podcast and leave a review on your preferred listening platform. Until next time, continue chasing your vision of authorship success.